Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Come on, can you give Jesus a shout of praise this morning? Come on, give him your best. Come on, give him your best this morning. Come on, keep going. Three more seconds. No, I'm kidding. I'm just, have you seen those pastors? They come out and like, they, like you've got to shout a praise and then they just start singing. Um, it's so annoying every time. And it's not annoying for reasons that you might think. Every time they do it, I'm looking at them and I'm picturing this one guy in particular. And every time he's like, you've got to shout a praise and they're praising. And then they all die down. And he's like, amazing grace. And like, he just goes in on it. And I'm like, God, are you listening? That's the voice I was praying for. And, uh, and so let you, I'm just going to let you know I'm praying to sing, and you will know about it. When my answer comes, all right, you're going to know. I'm going to come out here. We'll be like, you got a shout of praise, and then we're gonna, I'm going to start singing. I'm just going to, and I'm not going to come in low. I'm just going to belt it um, to God be the glory. Amen. And, uh, but, no, I'm excited that you guys are here. We're going to continue in on our uh, Freedom Part 2 series. And uh, I know we're like, you're like, I thought the pastor was back. Um, that was like a little teaser. He was back last week. Um, today he's actually in Birmingham, moving the youngest of the Reigns boys into college. And um, Tyson's actually going to a ministry college down in Birmingham, and we're super proud of him. Uh, it's, it's one thing to, uh, yeah, we can, we can clap for that. And uh, yeah, it's one thing to like, you know, go to college. It's like, it's one transition, you know, when you're living with your parents and you're commuting to college. It's a whole different ball game when you move 10 hours and uh, you're forced to grow up and, and, and you got to survive and and you just figure out ways to survive. For me, it was like eggs and peanut butter. Not together, those were two different meals. Like it was eggs for breakfast, peanut butter for lunch. And uh, it, I actually just walked around with a jar of peanut butter and that's how I made it through college. Tyson, on the other hand, um, clearly has more faith than I do. He's, uh, he's believing for $50,000. And uh, I was like, well, how much do you need for school? He's like, oh, 10,000 more? And I was like, so what's the other 40000 He goes, just thought it'd be nice. I'm like, all right. As far as that goes, I'm believing for 100000 So, uh, <laughs> So he, we're super proud of him. And uh, my parents are actually at Church of the Highlands, which is where we're getting this freedom curriculum that we're going into. And, and we're doing this freedom series just to give you uh, a little sneak peek of what's to come in this freedom life group that we're launching here in a few weeks. And, and, and it's, a really, it's an incredible uh, curriculum that we're going through. And um, we believe that freedom can either come in one moment in the presence of God where the power of God just comes over you, you're completely healed, you're restored, um, any bitterness that you've been hanging on to, is, is set, you're set free from it. Um, but we also recognize that for some people, it's, it's a layer-by-layer -layer process. And so this freedom curriculum is actually offering both options where, where we're going to encounter the presence of God and, and allow the power of God to come over us. And, and for a lot of us, we'll be set free just in that moment. Um, but for, for the ones who take a little bit more time to, to just let things go, um, we have this freedom curriculum that, that we're launching and uh, it's so good to the point where I wasn't originally going to lead a freedom curriculum uh, this semester, but in, in, in studying for this message, um, I'm actually going to be leading a freedom curriculum. I'm super excited about it. I'm doing it for, uh, for young adults, which is 18 to 30. And, uh, and I just, 
I got I stepped up because I was looking and man, let me holler at you for just a second. Um, what I've noticed is we've got like this army of women rising up and leading and uh, our men aren't rising up quite at the level that our women are. Uh, but let me just remind you of your calling that God has given you. You are the head of the household to lead. And, and that's not a dictator. Um, you're to lead in generosity. You're to lead in love. You're to lead in serving. You're to lead in your passion and, and your giving and the way you lay your life down. That's what leadership looks like. If you see leadership as a dictator, you've just got the wrong view of leadership. Um, and, and so, men, we're going to rise up. Come on, in Jesus' name. I'm speaking that now over our church. We're going to rise up and be the men that God's called us to be. And uh, it is completely okay to be in love with Jesus and to show it. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm convinced. In fact, I think a lot of us, it, we feel like it's, it's vulnerable and it shows weakness. But you'll never experience the, tr the truest strength that you can until you get to a place where you're fully surrendered to God. God, I don't need anything else but you. You are the Lord of my life, and I'm going to live for you every moment of every day. And that's the place that you'll find a true strength. Um, but it comes when we drop our pride. Amen. This isn't even my message. Um, I'm going to hop into my message. And so uh, I'm going to talk today, and, and it's going to come, and we're going to set it up with Proverbs chapter 4. Can we throw that up on the screen, please? Proverbs chapter 4 says, My son... And when it's originally written, it wasn't just son. This is sons and daughters. My, my children, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life. Everybody say life. life. Come on, say it again. Say life. life. For they are life to those who find them, and they are health to one's whole body. And this right here is setting up our entire message. They are life and they are health. And, and this is the freedom curriculum. It is life and it is health for one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. And, and what this, is, this isn't saying build a wall around your heart and don't let anybody in. Um, that's actually counterproductive. What this is saying is filter what goes into your heart. Um, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. One translation says it is the wellspring of life. In other words, the issues that you're dealing with in your life are a matter of the healthiness of your heart. It's a matter of the heart. And, and you can write that down in your notes. That's what I'm calling this message. It's a matter of the heart. And, and, and you say, no, 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 it's my wife. No, it's, it's a matter of the heart. No, 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 you don't understand it. I had a mean daddy. No, it's a matter of the heart. And, and there's circumstances that have happened in our life, but it's not the circumstances. It's the fact that we've allowed circumstances to get into our heart. And, and so today we're just going to cover a, a few topics. And, and just I want to, my, my prayer, and I pray this right now over you, is that through this and through today, um, you will be set free, that God would reveal some things to you, and, uh, and, and that our eyes would be open in Jesus' name. And, uh, and so here's what I've noticed with the heart is with people who have heart problems, and so if for someone having a heart attack, uh, your left arm will go numb, and that's a symptom of a heart attack. Now, what's weird is your left arm has nothing to do with the actual health of your heart, and, and we live in a society that likes to medicate the symptoms. We have a cold, but we're mad at the cough, and so we get cough drops, but the root is the cold. Are you following? You with me? Are you awake this morning? Come on, I'm two cups of coffee in. Like, start chugging. Let's go. We got some. We got some ground to cover, and 
But, he, but the heart is, is deceiving. You see, we, we, we have all these symptoms around us that we would like to blame and point our fingers at, at the symptoms. But what we're not doing is we're not actually dealing with the real issues that are going on within our, within our heart. And so before a heart attack comes, what happens is, is our arteries begin to get these blockages due to pollution that's building up, cholesterol, blueberry cake donuts, and Charlie's chicken nuggets. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, God bless. Here's, here's what I believe. I believe God created the chicken with the intent of the Charlie's chicken chunks. You know what I'm saying? And then they came out with the spicy chunks. Woo! But too much of it leads to a blockage in our heart. And the same is true with, with our life and with the spiritual components of our life. So today I've got four blockages, four blockages of our heart that I want to give you. The first one is this, it's selfishness. Selfishness. And, I, and there's actually, there's a better word for it. We can find that better word in, in James. Can we throw that up there on the screen? And uh, I'm not talking about a, you're, you're not willing to share. It, it's, it's different than that. It says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, write that down. Selfish ambition, that's, that's really a better word for it. And, and it's this, I'm going to do what I want to do and when I want to do it and how I want to do it. It's, it's this selfish ambition that we have within our life. And, and, and we get to, and we're even doing it with our relationship with God. And, and we get to this place where we're not, we're only partly surrendered to God, but, but we're not fully surrendered to God. And we have to get to this, to this point in our life where we're just, we're fully surrendered to who God is and, and to where God's leading us. But then it goes on and says, in your hearts, do not boast about it. We, we, have, we have this harbor, we harbor bitter envy and this selfish ambition in our hearts, and then we, we boast about it. And, and so in other words, he's like, you're doing this all by yourself. You've got this selfish ambition. It's your way, nobody else's. And yet you're bragging about it. And, and again, man, sorry to pick on you again. But listen, I just, I just believe that we, we can rise up and, and lead well. We have a tendency to do this more than anybody. And, and, and we don't want directions from anybody. Um, we don't want to be told uh, what to do. We, we have this mindset of, no, I know what I'm doing, and this is how I'm going to do it. And, and then we brag about it. I've just been doing this on my own. I can do it on my own. About a year and a half ago, I was building a shed. And... Uh, to be honest, I'm still building the shed, but that's, that's beyond the point. And, uh, and I, was, I started to build it, and it was February. I don't know why I decided to build it in February. It was cold outside. I had to come out, and, uh, and in my, my backyard kind of has this slope. And so I, I had to dig out this foundation and level it out with a shovel. Um, I didn't have to. My grandpa's got a tractor I could have used, but for some reason in my mind, a shovel was the best option. And so I'm out here, and I'm just, I'm building this, I'm leveling out this ground for my shed, and I'm getting it all squared up, and, and my wife comes out, and she's like, do you know how to build a shed? And I instantly was like, are you kidding me? I framed a wall before. It's just four of them. And uh, I'm like, it's a little, I got my nail gun, I got my saw, I got my two by fours. I'm like, how hard can it be? It's a little boom, boom, bang, bang, and there we go. We got ourselves a shed. And uh, it's so, like, I've, I've got all my lumber, I've ordered it, I've like done, I've drawn it up, and I know exactly what I'm doing, I think. And, uh, and she's like, shouldn't you just like call my dad or your dad? And I'm like, whoa, hey. I can do this, okay? I can build a shed. It's, it's not that big of a deal. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, it's going to be great. And then I, I had full intentions on rubbing it in her face. And uh, maybe when it's done, I will, but it's still not done. So I probably should have called somebody. And, uh, but, 
there's, there's actually this story. I'm going to pick on her. I didn't actually get her permission. It was more like I told her I was going to tell this story. And so since I don't have her permission, I'm not going to mention her name, but she's like five foot, curly hair. If I was to shave my beard, we'd look like twins. Um, full, super, but I'm not going to say who it is, but, but she was telling me this story. Um, back, she's now married, but before she was married, again, we're not saying names, um, but before she was married, uh, she was asking her boyfriend, fiance, I don't know what their title was, uh, if he would hang a uh, shelf in her bedroom. Not a big deal, just like hang the shelf. And I don't know if like he said no, I don't know if he even got a chance to answer. All I remember her saying was, well, if you don't do it, I'll just ask my dad to. And I was like, bah, 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 right to the heart. And, and, but men, we have this tendency, we want to do things on our own. We don't want to be told how to do it. We just want to, and, and, and I'd say this isn't just men. That we, we, we have women in here that are the same way. We want to do it our way, and we have this selfish ambition, but really it's a blockage in our heart. And, and, and then it goes on, and, and it says that we, we, we boast about it, or we even deny the fact. And, and, and so we're in one moment, we're like, no, I got everything under control. I can fix this. And then the very next moment, we're like, I don't even have any issues. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. I'm fine. And so how do we overcome it? Because look, it, it, it goes on, and it says, um, you think you're wise, but such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly or spiritual and demonic. So what you think you're doing is right, but it's really wrong. In fact, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder. There, there's where you find the fact that, that right now your family's in disorder, your marriage is in disorder. Why? Because it's a selfish ambition. So what do we need? We need to get to a place of surrender. Amen, everybody. Come on. We got to get to a place of surrender. Write it down. And, and we got to get to this point in our life. Where, where it becomes, God, it's your way. I'll go anywhere. You can take me anywhere. I'll do whatever you need me to do. And uh, I was laughing because I heard this pastor. He was talking about when he first got called to, to ministry. He said he was so afraid of being sent to a mud hut in Africa. And, and I laughed because I never even considered that when I, when I was called to ministry. Uh, I, was too, I was too worried about being sent to Kansas. And that's, that's the honest truth. I was like, God, I'll go anywhere. Send me anywhere. I'll do anything, just not Kansas. And uh, I'm like, I've already been there 10 years. And, 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 and then he said Africa. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't even, cons- I wasn't even thinking that because then I'd have to be praying for both places. But I said that to my mom. And uh, I was like, I just don't want to go back to Kansas, mom. I don't want to go back to Kansas. And she's like, you know, the places that you say you'll never go are the places that God sends you. And so then I was like, I was praying extra hard, but then I was like, I was doubting my prayers. I was like, well, now that I'm praying that I won't be sent to Kansas, will I be sent to Kansas? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm just like panicking. I'm like, no, please God, not Kansas. And, uh, but here's the truth. When we surrender to God and we allow him to be in control, and control is a word that we don't like because we like to be in control. But when we surrender to God and we allow him to take us where he wants us to go, he will take us the farthest, the fastest. And, and, and unlike, you know, Siri, when, when you have this disconnect, um, Siri's like, I don't know, I was driving the other day, and, and Siri's like, make a U-turn. And I was like, you told me to stay on this road for 108 miles. Why would I make it? That seems a little counterproductive. But when, when God is controlled, he's going to take you there the fastest way, the best way. But all it takes is this place of surrender. And, and, and it takes, Lord, I know I've, I have a tendency to have these selfish ambitions, but I'm going to lay it down at your feet. Wherever you need me to go, whatever you need me to do, I'm, I'm in it for you. And in, in, in this moment, in, in that place, in that place of surrender is where you'll find the greatest fulfillment of your life. And, and even in the places where you feel like 
Um, you don't want to go. I can tell you this. If God's going to send you to a place, he's going to give you such passion, such purpose, such vision, such a calling to go. And, uh, and, and so I was, when I was living in Birmingham and I came back, when I first got back, people were asking me, why did you come back to Pryor when you were in Birmingham? And, and if you've ever been to Birmingham, Birmingham's a beautiful city, um, lots of huge pine trees. And uh, you feel, you're in the middle of the city, but, but you don't feel like it because you're surrounded by these pine trees and a beautiful city. And, and, and people would ask me, why did you come back? Um, it's because God gave me such a vision, such a purpose, such a drive. And so I can close my eyes and I can see the students of our community, 3,518 of them. And, and I've got the vision right here in, in my heart where I can see a, a crowd and, and the crowds of students beginning to gather from across this region in their brokenness, in, in their hurt, in their pain, crying out to the presence of God. Why did I come back? Because it's, I got to reach, reach a generation. I got to reach them. And this is what, when you surrender to the call of God, and I'm not talking just full-time ministry. We're all called to ministry. Um, I'm talking when you surrender to what God wants you to do, you will find more fulfillment, more hope, more joy, more strength, more peace than you could ever imagine. Why? Because God knows your heart. Are you with me? My grandma and my sister are with me. Anybody else with me? <laughs> Basically, I said all that to say this. Surrender to the call of youth ministry. Come on, come join my team. And uh, we'd love to have you. And uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But, but I do have, for, for some of the men in here, and uh, I, I've got students right now, and I don't have enough fingers to count how many students I have without dads. And... And I understand Sundays are comfort for you, and, and, and Sunday night football is kicking back up, and, and we enjoy Sunday night. I love football, too, and, and you want to watch your Chiefs or Cowboys. I'm a Broncos fan. Um, whoever you want to watch, I, I get it. It's comfort. But some of you, God might be calling you because I got a 17-year-old that I can see his face right now, and he's looking for love in all the wrong places. And he doesn't know how to be a dad. He doesn't know how to have a relationship. He doesn't know what work ethic looks like. And I need some men in the room to step up and to be a spiritual father for some students um, in our church who are hurting in our community. And, and, and so I'm going to leave it up to you. You can have your comfort or you can surrender to a call of God and allow God to use you beyond what you can imagine. Amen. That's the first thing. I, I, I spent so much time on. Is that my clock? Can we change that? Like add more time to that. I don't know. Just get rid of that. We're not even going to look at that. Second, second, second blockage is bitterness. Second blockage is bitterness. And, uh, and, and, and can we throw that scripture up on the screen, that next one? Where is it, Luke 17? Yeah, there it is. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. And, and, and here's where we are. A lot of us in the room, um, you see, some people, you can handle a mean person and they can say some mean things about you, and you just brush it off. Others of you, you allow it to define who you are. And, and Jesus is actually clear to his disciples. He says, he says to them, in fact, that it's impossible that no offenses will come. And, and so it doesn't matter if you're, you're trying to guard your heart, build your heart up, and, and, and not let anybody in. It's impossible that you, will, that, you, that you can't go through life without getting offended. But he also says this in Proverbs. Go to that next verse for me. He says this in Proverbs. He says, a brother wronged, another translation says, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. In other words, when you allow bitterness to take root within your heart, you begin to live recklessly. 
and, and, and it becomes a blockage of the heart and we begin to lose self-control the moment that bitterness begins to take root within us. And, 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 and so what do we need? We need to live in a place of forgiveness. We need, we need to learn forgiveness. And I understand forgiveness is hard. Um, you're like, can I just give five more minutes to hate them? And uh, come on, y'all know what I'm saying. Just give me, I, I'll, I'll, I will forgive them, but five more minutes just to hate them. And, uh, but, but come on, forgiveness isn't, unforgiveness isn't hurting them. It's not hurting them. And, and I was actually listening to a, uh, a lady, her name's Christine Kane. She started the A21 campaign. And she's rescuing um, women and kids across the world who are in sex slavery and sex, and sex trafficking. And uh, she was actually, she tells, and, and at this time she was, I think she was 53 when she was speaking this message. But she said for 12 years of her life, um, she was molested and abused. And, and, and she was like, I'm not, and, I, and she goes, and it hurts. And when I still think about it, it still hurts. And, and, I'm, and I know there's people in this room that can identify with that. But what she said was, I'm not going to allow the 12 years that I was molested and abused to ruin the 43 years of my life. Because I've got 43 years where I'm not dealing with that. i got 43 years where I'm not struggling with that. And, and for a lot of us, it, it, forgiving them does not make it right. It just means that you're no longer going to still be hurting because of what they've done. Are you following me? Some of us, it was a 12-minute conversation that has now lasted two decades that we're still hanging on, and it is still breaking us down. It is still hurting us. What happened in 12 minutes is still defining our life. If you would just forgive them, then your heart is set free. Then you are, you, it doesn't make it okay. But it means you're not going to be brought down by it any longer. Amen? Come on, I pray, I pray forgiveness over all of you right now in Jesus' name. That whatever it was, whatever it's wrong, and listen, if it, if it was, if you were molested, if you were abused, I believe that God can restore you, he can heal you, he can bring purity within you. We serve a great God who is above and beyond any circumstance that may have happened to you, but we got to choose forgiveness. Amen. We got to walk in this forgiveness. The third thing is rejection. I'm having to speed up, I'm running out of time. Rejection. And, and, and chances are rejection for you. Um, chances are a lot of us in the room are actually dealing with rejection or have dealt with rejection at some point. Chances are it came through words and, and, and potentially through your parents. But we've now allowed these labels that we didn't create nor God create to begin to label us and define us. And, and, and we're dealing and we're walking in the rejection. But God has a different plan for you. God has a new hope for you. And, and, and I was actually, um, I remember the first time I felt this rejection. I was in elementary school. And this is something that I've had to work through. And, and I've actually been recently working through it. Um, but I, I had to ask God with this point in my life because um, there was these issues that, that were going on in my life. And I knew it went down to a deeper level. Um, again, we're not just going to treat the symptoms. We're going to get to the real issues. And, and, and so I'm like, God, what are the real issues and he brings me all the way back to elementary school when the first time I heard um, someone say, Taylor, don't be around here. You're too good. And uh, I'm not bragging because it wasn't too good in my mind. 
um, what they saw was I went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. I was a pastor's kid, and, and, and they began to um, exclude me and push me out of the circle because they didn't want me to hear what they were saying and, and what they were talking about. And so it's, Taylor, you're too good, but this carried into junior high. Taylor, you're too good. This carried into high school with relationships that I wanted to enter into and, 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 and these relationships that I was trying to pursue. These girls were like, well, you're too good. You're too good. You're too good. Um, fast forward to the, towards the end of my high school life, and, and I made these these, these mistakes that, that I regret, and, and, and everybody was still calling me too good, but I was living in this regret of my mistakes, knowing that I'm not actually too good, because I've, I've, I just made all these failures, I've just messed up, but I didn't want to tell anybody that, because I had this image of too good, too good turned into not good enough, and the moment I made these mistakes, the moment I, I, I messed up and I went too far, it confirmed what I believed about not being good enough. And so I had to get to this place, and I encourage you to get to this place where you get with God. And, and I was like, God, I'm not good enough. Because he was getting on to me because I'm always trying to prove myself. He's like, stop proving yourself. It's unnecessary. And, and I'm like, but God, I'm not good enough. And he takes me back to that moment in elementary. And, and I still can see it to the moment that I first got pushed out. And they said, Taylor, you're too good. He said, listen, I was with you in that moment. And, and then he takes me into junior high when I'm, when I'm getting pushed out and I'm feeling like I don't have any friends. And, and, and I feel all alone. And in seventh grade I was. I had my dog, I had my papa, and I had this shop where I, where I started to build things. And that's all I had um, in seventh grade. And, and I just remember, I just remember being so alone and God being in that moment saying, listen, I'm with you right here in this moment. And, and, and he says, they, they keep on saying too good. And it's because the world doesn't understand the words set apart. Because if you allow, allow yourself to be labeled too good, then you have to carry this, this, this higher standard on your own strength of I've got to be good enough. I've got to be good enough. And, and then you live in this, uh, it's, it's a duty. And, and we start to work to gain, um, we got we to work to gain everybody's approval. And so I started trying to live my life to, to gain everybody else's approval. When God's saying, no, 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 you weren't too good. I had you set apart. And for some of us, we had rejection, and it came from our parents, and it hurt, and they said, you're unlovable. They said, you're not good enough. They said, you're unworthy, and they treated other siblings better than you, whatever it may be. And, and I believe that there's freedom in the name of Jesus. But I also believe for some of us in the room, we're, we're just so feeling rejected because we couldn't fit in and you couldn't ever fit in because God has he didn't create you to be moldable to that group he called you to lead a group and, and we're dealing with rejection when God's like you're not actually rejected you're just set apart and if and so here's what we need if we're dealing with rejection what we need is we need words of life where do we find words of life the word of God come on can we throw that verse up in Proverbs Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. For those of you who are dealing with rejection, whatever it may be, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a sibling. They said you're un unlovable. They said you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, whatever it may be. The way we counteract it is through the word of God. No, listen, you are good enough. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a child of the most high God. God has a new hope for you, a new plan for you, a new vision. You are beautiful. You are lovable. You are smart. Whatever has been said against you, I, I, I speak against that now in the name of Jesus. Come on, you are set free through the power of the presence of God. 
No more rejection. And, and the fourth thing is this. Last one. Worship team, you can come up. The fourth thing is this. Evil thoughts. And, and that's the word that the, the Bible actually uses in Mark chapter 7. And, and, and can we throw that up there? It says, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And, and I'm talking about everything that's stored on the hard drive. I'm talking about every site that you've looked at, every movie you've watched, every song you've listened to. And I'm talking about the, the songs that you shouldn't be listening to, the movies you shouldn't be watching, the sites you shouldn't be clicked on. Everything that's been stored on the hard drive. Every, every moment where you've gone too far with somebody. Every mistake that you've made, every failure that you're carrying. From within inside, it's, it's this evil thoughts that come. And then, it, and then it begins to list it. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. All of these things come from inside. They come from inside and they begin to defile a person. And, and this is, these are the four blockages that we will find in our heart that are leading to heart issues, that are leading to, to this defilement in our marriage, that are leading to this defilement in, in, in our family. It's, it's the root of all things. What do we need? We need a cleansing. We need cleansing. And, and it's, it's a very churchy word, but it's the grace of God. And we just need to ask for the grace of God to be poured out over us, to restore us, to make us whole again, to make us pure again. In fact, I had this, um, I, I, was, I was praying the other day in, in the shower, and, and as I was praying, what I began to realize is, is the moment that people fail and they fall into temptation, there's this instant um, thought that says, I can't run to God now. I can't run to God now. But the longer that you stay in unforgiveness, the deeper you fall into shame. I'll say that again. The longer you stay in unforgiveness, the deeper you'll fall into shame. And, and, and when shame begins to place, take place, what we find ourselves doing is, is we feel so guilty. And so we walk around, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, I hope you forgive me. God, I hope you forgive me. God, listen, God's forgiven you already. It took one time to say, God, forgive me. What's going on is that you're carrying guilt and you haven't forgiven you. What do we need? We need the grace of God to come in and to cleanse us, to make us new, to purify us, to restore us. We need freedom. We need freedom from ourselves. And, and I want to give you three thoughts real quick. Three thoughts to transforming your heart. And, and this comes from Ezekiel 36. And it says, I will give you a new heart. Well, that's what we need. We need a new heart. And put a new spirit in you. I'll I will remove from you your heart of stone. In other words, this, this heart of this, this lack of teachability, this bitterness, this, this self-ambition, this rejection, these evil thoughts. I'll remove this heart of stone. And instead, I'll give you a heart of flesh. In other words, a teachable heart, a fresh heart, a pure heart. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Three things real quick. Number one, we have to invite the Holy Spirit to show me. Invite the Holy Spirit to show me. Because you can't change what you can't see. You can't change the things about you that you can't see. David writes in Psalm 139, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, God. Know me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and then lead me in the way of everlasting. And, and, and what he's saying is, because listen, it's like B.O. Everybody smells it but you. You know what I'm saying? Like we all smell it. The heart is deceitful. 
sometimes you're the last to know that you've got pride that you're dealing with. And, and so it gets to this place of, God, search me. Know my heart. Test me. Whatever is offensive in me, pull it out. God, show me. We're, we're inviting the Holy Spirit to show us. And the second one is this. Invite the Holy Spirit to change me. Invite the Holy Spirit to show me. Invite the Holy Spirit to change me. Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God. This is David. This is David after he's messed up with Bathsheba, after he killed her husband. He's messed up. He's fallen short. But what does he do? He runs back to the grace of God. Because it doesn't matter how far you've gone and how many mistakes you've made, God's grace is waiting for you. Come on, amen, everybody. God's grace is waiting for you. Create in me a pure heart, oh God. And I pray that over you right now in the name of Jesus. Purity to be restored. It says, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And this, this is a prayer we need to be praying over ourselves. And the third one is this. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill me. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill me. Because to remove without replacing is dangerous. And, and you see it in the Gospels, and it talks about when you've cast the Spirit out, that your home is swept clean, but the Spirit's come back with seven more and fill it. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a spiritual principle, but it's a, it, it's, there's a reason it's in the Word of God. If we're going to have, if the Holy Spirit is going to remove these things within us, this, this unhealth within us, this blockage within us, what we need is we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your upbringing is, what denomination, what religion. I don't even know if you're in here. You, you might not even believe in God. And it's, but some of you do, and, and you're like, God the Father, I'm good with God the Father. God the Son, we're cool. God the Holy Ghost, I'm afraid of ghosts. Like, I don't, like, come on, that might be some of us in here. And we're going to teach you throughout this freedom curriculum who the Holy Spirit is. Um, but more importantly, we're praying that the Holy Spirit reveals himself to you. Because I know for my life, I cannot do life alone without the feeling of the Holy Spirit. I need God's presence in my life. I need him to come in. And look, it says in Ephesians 5, I'm closing now. Ephesians 5, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And that's just a, it's a senseless indulgement. It's a senseless indulgement. Stop being filled with this senseless indulgement. Instead, we're going to bring in this backhoe, and it's going to begin to remove all this filth, all this, all this bitterness, all this self-ambition, all this rejection, all this evil thoughts. And what, what are we going to do? Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. Instead, be filled. Why? Because if you want true freedom in your life, then you need to invite the Holy Spirit to fill you, to restore you, to make you clean. Amen, everybody. Can I pray for you? Father, we thank you for your presence. God, in this moment where we can come and learn who you are. Father, I pray for such a courage. God, in this journey of freedom that we're taking as a church. Lord, that you would truly search us. That you would know our hearts, know our thoughts. God, in everything that is, that is hindering us from freedom, Lord, that you would remove it and that you would replace it. God, and Holy Spirit, we invite you in now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this place and you don't have a relationship with Jesus... And, and, and what you're going through right now is you, you feel like you're going through life with this, this weight and this pressure on you. The best I can describe it is, was, is a gym analogy. When, if you're bench pressing and the, and the bench falls on your chest, there's a weight pressing down on your chest. And, and you just want it to be removed. You just want freedom from it. What I can promise you this is that the weight of grace is far less than the weight of guilt. 
And the moment that we give our life to Jesus, the guilt is removed, we are set free, we are forgiven. And we, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, we have a new life, we're a new creation, the old is gone. Everything that we've messed up, every mistake we've made, it's gone and the new is coming. So if you're in here and you want a relationship with Jesus and you don't have one, just where you are, raise your hand. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna have you come forward. We're just gonna pray a prayer. I'll see your hand. Thank you. Anybody like that at all? You just wanna follow Jesus. Make a decision to follow him today. Come on, you're not alone in this journey. Anybody else? Amen. Well, we're gonna do this. We're all gonna pray together. And we're going to say this out loud together. So repeat after me. Say, God, forgive me for my past, for my failures. I'm choosing today to live for you. Be the Lord of my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And right now I pray, God, for every person that made that decision, for the one that raised their hand and for the ones that, that didn't, Lord, I pray a boldness to come over them. As your word says in Acts 1-8, that the Holy Spirit will come over them and they will receive a new power, a new grace, a new strength. Father, I pray for purpose and vision to fill them, God, that they would be restored. Father, for those who have been dealing with some of these heart issues, God, I pray for freedom to fall now. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate with the person who made that decision? You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.